This is Bucks First Thoughts, the news you need to get through your day in 45 minutes. Make sure you subscribe on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I really do think it's depressing that we all expect things to just get worse in Minneapolis. And we, we expect that this will spread to other cities. Uh, we should be able to have a national conversation or at least have some kind of understanding that we, the American people, all want justice and that there needs to be a, a cooling of passions and tempers here because a lot of innocent people are going to get hurt otherwise. But instead, it's just it seems so clear that the wave of mayhem and anarchy is just going to continue to build up and the Democrat, a Democrat demagoguery around all this is just going to get worse. But, you know, these days, what you see online is so already curated and skewed because the big tech censors are making sure that you can only say certain things and everything that you do online is public in a sense. Right. So tech has become so advanced now that if you're using your PC, your computer, any place and you're accessing public Wi-Fi, what you're doing online, what you're doing on your computer is just as easy to see by someone else, the right technology as you seeing it yourself kind of takes away the whole notion of what a personal computer or PC should be. Your activities, your data may lo- may no longer really be personal, right? The bad guys can get to it. ExpressVPN gives you easy-to-use software to download and keep what's private-private on your computer and your smartphone. A VPN is a virtual private network, private being the keyword here, okay? It costs less than 6 bucks a month. It installs a layer of privacy for all your devices. So when you send an email, you're working online, it's much more secure. It's like the difference between mailing a postcard and mailing a letter. ExpressVPN is akin to that sealed envelope, keeps your communications and actions private. ExpressVPN, that's where you want to go. Download the service today for less than $6 a month. Give yourself privacy on five of your devices. Go to expressvpn.com slash buck. That's expressvpn.com slash buck. And you'll get three extra months free on a one-year package. Expressvpn.com slash buck. They surrounded the police station in Brooklyn Center. If you've seen the photos of it, if you see what's going on here, it looks like they're prepared for a protracted siege. You have law enforcement officers that have nothing to do with the specific incident of the shooting, the killing of Dante Wright, who are being attacked by angry people in a mob. Antifa, self-described Antifa members now showing up. This is a lit match thrown into a tinderbox sitting atop a big pool of gasoline. This is a highly combustible situation right now. And everyone needs to just take a step back and think about what's really going on here. The city of Minneapolis has already been through far too much. And the rest of the country has dealt with the reverberations. As you recall, last summer, there were BLM protests that broke out across the country and it needs to be said more more people need to know this need to hear this that in a year of a pandemic where we had lockdowns and we had people interacting less far fewer people than in living memory going to bars and restaurants and subways and being out in public places so you should expect that the violence rate in the country would be far far lower than in previous years. Instead, what we had was a massive spike, a rise of murders and other violent crimes, including rapes, sexual assaults, uh, assault with a deadly weapon, a rise across the country not seen in over 20 years. The worst murder rate they're expecting, they still compile the numbers and they'll give us the official date, I believe, in September. The worst murder rate since 1995 nationwide. And there's one major factor in all of this. The George Floyd police incident in Minneapolis, his death, the riots that ensued afterwards, the undermining of police, the call to defund police and communities becoming less safe as a result. People suffer because of these bad ideas. People suffer because of these lies. We all need to understand this. We need to be honest about it. I know right now that there is that cheap virtue signaling going on all over the place by people who live in safe communities who don't know crime 
from a firsthand experience and who think that standing in solidarity with rioters and looters is somehow making anything better. It actually just makes everything worse. But the ruling class and the elites, uh, members of the Democrat Party, Silicon Valley, corporate America, they are very clear in where their sympathies lie. And there's also, it seems, very little willingness to say to people, stop being reckless, stop saying things that are not true. People with major platforms. Cory Bush, member of Congress, tweeted this out about Officer Potter, who has already resigned and who is now facing criminal culpability. There have been about 15 of these taser firearm mistake shootings that have occurred uh, over the last decade or so. So this has happened before. And in most of the cases, there was no criminal charge, especially if the person, uh, if, if no one was killed. In a couple of cases, there have been criminal charges. And Officer Potter may very well get an involuntary manslaughter charge as a result. But uh, that's already in process, right? There, there is a, an accountability that is going on here that will never be true justice in the sense that you can't bring back Dante Wright. There's nothing to bring him back to stop that tragic uh, accident from happening. But here's what Cori Bush, member of the House Representative, said about all this. That, that she, or rather, she tweeted this. The 26-year veteran cop, former president of the police union, doesn't know the difference between a taser and a gun. And you say more training would have fixed this? Nah, but I bet you would have known the difference if Dante wasn't a black boy or if he was her loved one. End quote. That's from uh, Representative Cory Bush. That is a inciting, unfair, and deeply unhelpful thing to say right now. There is absolutely no evidence whatsoever of racial animus in this incident. In fact, if anything, what we see on video is someone who is clearly trying to do one thing, makes an awful mistake that she is responsible for, and then realizes the, the error that she's just committed and, and the, the tragedy that ensued and knows that it's too late and she can't take that bullet back. But this has happened before. The timing of this... I mean, beyond just the fact that it's a tragedy in and of itself, but the timing of this right before we were expected to hear about the George Floyd verdict. I mean, it, rather the Derek Chauvin verdict about the death of George Floyd, which is next week. I mean, the jury could be deliberating as soon as next week. Right now, it, it would be hard to think of a more tense situation. And people who have platforms, people who have have power here in the national conversation should use it responsibly, but we shouldn't expect that to happen, not with today's Democrat Party. We've got an open border. We've got out-of-control spending. We've got real fears of inflation. People are starting to wise up to the fact that the Fauciite consensus is never going to just let us go back to normal, that they're not even really thinking there is such a thing as everyone just stops wearing masks and lives their lives, that they're not going to give up that control. People are starting to see through this Biden administration. And so what do they want here? That's right. An issue of racial justice, according to the left, to rally around to make it seem like there is a righteous cause for the left. When in this case, in this reality, what they're going to do is just create excuses for more destruction, violence and anarchy in the streets. What was better as a result of BLM riots last year? What improved? Oh, they, they got the main demand, which was defunding of police in some cities and crime soared and people died and misery spread. It's very straightforward. The cops are not the problem. All right. We, we have to be adults in America. We, we have to be willing to say things that are obviously true. We have to fight this effort to shut down your ability to observe what you know to be true there is a war on observation going on right now. You can't see what's actually true and not true about lockdowns and vaccine policies and all the rest of it. Shut up and do what you're told. You can't see and come to your own conclusions about how crime is getting worse and how BLM activists buy million dollar mansions for themselves while they're actually supposed to be, you know, helping poor, uh, poor communities and dealing with police relations. Right. You're not allowed to notice these things. 
You're told what to think, and if you disagree, you're shouted down. They're not even trying to convince you of anything anymore. And you're certainly not supposed to notice that BLM as a movement has blood on its hands. You look at what's happened over the last year, over the last 12 months, and because of the defunding of police, because of the change in perception about community police relations, and the fact that law enforcement does not feel backed up in their jobs, more people are dead than would otherwise be. More people have suffered. What exactly is gained by all this? Defund police, which I know Ben and Jerry's, the ice cream company, has now said that they they want to abolish police. Uh, Look, they're they're a bunch of of morons who have done far too much to push type two diabetes on the country. Okay, we by the way, boycott them. Let, Let me just throw that out there right now. Don't eat that ice cream. If every person who had a rational view of America and the country who was center right said, I'm not going to buy any more Ben and Jerry's. They may actually feel that a little bit. They may actually realize, shut up and make my, you know, Oreo cookie swirl or whatever it is, whatever they make. I usually can't eat it because they have gluten in a lot of their ice cream. That's the truth. We, we need to take action or else this stuff continues. Defund the police is moronic. It's a stupid thing to say. There are bad people in this country. There are bad, violent, destructive people of all races and backgrounds. And we all need to be universally held to account for our actions. We cannot break the law. If we become a lawless society, the foundation upon which everything else is built, all of our prosperity and all the good, fun stuff out there and all the systems that we benefit from every day, they all start to crumble if we don't have rule of law. And we are all responsible as individuals, as human beings for our actions. There is no license to loot or riot or attack. And getting rid of cops is the dumbest thing I have ever heard in a public policy debate. It's honestly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What what are we going to do then? We're going to start sending in social workers? Have they thought this through? Do they think that unarmed social workers are going to want to be involved in violent domestic disputes? You're, You're going to send in a social worker if somebody's Calling uh, calling the police because they're worried that there could be a, a drive by in their neighborhood. I'm glad the social worker will be there to say, hey, let's all be nice to each other while the bullets are flying over their heads. Could it be any dumber? No, but this is where the Democrat Party is now. Reckless demagoguery, brainwashing and stupidity on a national scale to pretend they care so much about minority communities. You know, all these MSNBC Anchors who are millionaires who live in very safe areas, who send their kids to private schools. They're the first ones to tell you, oh, but, you know, we don't need so much police, really. They should spend a few nights in the highest crime areas of major cities, especially these days, and walk around the streets and see how they feel about cops after that. I have a feeling it would change their tunes. But it's just a bunch of virtue signaling cowards. Just reveling in their demagoguery. That's what they do, and that's what they care about. The full text of of of, what, of your request, uh, and uh, make sure that you know we sit down and, and and go through it and and see how we can implement. Uh, I I don't believe that officers need to necessarily uh, have weapons. Uh, you know, uh, every time they they're they're making a, a traffic stop. Uh, or, or engaged in uh, situations that don't necessarily call for uh, for weapons. We know that there are other many other jurisdictions, or even around the world, where uh, that is not, you know, necessarily the case. It's not needed. So that's the mayor of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, which, as I understand it, has been a place that's very much deteriorated over the last uh, ten or fifteen years and much higher crime, and. Uh, this is this is someone who has a public platform, has public power and trust, who's saying something that is just uh, is just shockingly stupid, but also somewhat commonplace these days to say things that no rational person would think is a good idea. Yes, because we have we've had a major surge in violent crime in the country the last year. Now's the time in a country with hundreds of millions of firearms in circulation already. Now's the time to tell cops. Do your jobs, but don't be armed. That's what the guy's saying. Yeah, for traffic stops, don't don't be armed. Um, perhaps 
uh, the, this this individual doesn't spend much time on the Internet, he would know that a New Mexico state police officer, Darian Jarrett, was uh, murdered just over the weekend. You didn't you didn't hear a lot about this one. Not a lot of solidarity marches and not a lot of people walking around trying to raise awareness about the risk that law enforcement uh, law enforcement takes. Omar Felix Cueva uh, had a rifle and executed officer Darian Jarrett at close range during a routine daylight traffic stop. But sure, let's give our cops even less of a chance. Anytime they pull over somebody who has an outstanding warrant for a violent crime, like, oh, that's right. As we've now found out, because the stories are never accurate in the early hours about the victims, when BLM decides that somebody is one of their hallowed victims, one of the one of the martyrs of the movement, the initial stories are never really true about their background. That that's always the case. There's there's this, you know, we at first it's usually the person's, uh, you know, a family man, an honor student and everything else. And then when we say, well, hold on a second, this person actually, in the case of George Floyd, for example, held a gun to a pregnant woman's belly during a home invasion. They say that doesn't matter. Well, it mattered when we had all these photos of somebody, you know, either in their high school graduation cap and gown or when we're being told that they were an honor student or a family man or a hardworking person or whatever, whatever it is. That's all to be said. But then we find out the person either resisted arrest, had a long criminal history, had a violent criminal history. In the case of Dante Wright, the individual, uh, this individual um, held a gun to a woman and tried to rob eight hundred dollars from her. Okay, that's that, you know, armed armed robbery. But if you talk about this, so you're you're it's a problem. And understand this, that doesn't change anything about the culpability of the officer, Officer Potter. But it does affect the narrative and the perception of how these events affect society, of how people should view these these situations. Same thing where where you bring up, you know, resisting arrest. It is possible to say don't resist arrest, comma, and this officer made a terrible mistake. Those are both true statements. You should not resist arrest. You should not violently fight with cops when they're trying to arrest you. And you if you're a cop, you got to be able to discern even in very tense moments between your taser and your firearm or else you shouldn't be a cop. It's, it's that simple. I remember when, you know, when I was when I was overseas, it was just uh, on all, all the bases. I mean, an A.D. if you got an and I mean, an A.D. out on the range, accidental discharge, an A.D., you know, walk into the to the dining hall or whatever. If, if you fired off around by accident, you were you were going home. Basically, you were done, even if no one was hurt. So, you know, that's the it's a cardinal rule of firearm safety. And, and obviously, Officer Potter is, is paying in her own way a, a very high price for this. But we're going to we're going to now disarm. It was defund police. Now it's going to be disarm police. Who's going to want to take these jobs? I know there's a lot of law enforcement that listens to this show all across the country. And I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell them in good in good faith. Yeah. Keep doing your job, especially if you're in a relatively high crime area. You know, I mean, I have I have a, an uncle who is a police officer in, in South Central for 15 years, police officer in South Central Los Angeles. I'm going to tell him to walk around without a firearm and, and to go up to people and get involved in disputes and and pull them over and try to write them a ticket and try to, you know, one of the most dangerous things cops do is, in fact, traffic stops. But you see, the voices out there right now that get attention from the Democrat media aren't people who actually know anything about law enforcement, about use of force incidents. They're people that appeal to the masses with their emotions. You know, they're, they're, they're the people on MSNBC who just oh, they're just channeling all this emotion right now. But then they say things that end up hurting people when they're implemented. There are negative consequences to bad ideas, something we always have to remember. This stuff is not without a cost, but the people who bear the cost are not, you know, wealthy upper middle class journalists or well off or wealthy uh, TV news anchors or or people who are making PR decisions at big corporations. No, they don't pay the price. No, instead, the people that are the most likely to suffer from violent crimes in the neighborhoods in the first place, their percentages just go up. And when things get worse and that sense of 
of misery and foreboding that exists. And I mean, I've I've spent because of my time in the NYPD considerable time in the the actual worst neighborhoods in New York City. And I can tell you that it feels like a different place than the wealthier or even just more run of the mill parts in terms of crime of New York City. And I I wish some of these journos would do the same because maybe they would shut their mouths. There's so much you're just not allowed to say about covid and lockdowns. It's very frustrating, as you know, it's been one of the things that's made me particularly angry at the uh, big tech corporations. I mean, I'm I think I'm one of the most vocal anti Fauci voices out there. And I know there are some others and I, I appreciate them, by the way. I feel a real solidarity with them. Um, but I, I've got to tell you, the way that big tech has weighed in on this stuff, it's just appalling. It's awful. Uh, the way that they've shut down free and open exchange of ideas. And you know that if you've tried to share your political opinions in general these days, it's really difficult to have a civil conversation. You get attacked by trolls. You get swarmed by lunatics. Well, that's why there's caucusroom.com. This is a social media network exclusively for conservatives. Caucus Room is an online community for conservatives to gather and engage locally. Only real people who are verified conservatives can become Caucus Room members, but Caucus Room will never share your information with anyone ever. A sign-up process ensures you're communicating with real conservatives in your neighborhood, no bots or trolls. It's a great way to get engaged on issues where you can make the, dif- uh, where you can make the biggest difference locally. At Caucus Room, you can uh, participate in live virtual meetings, and you, know, you can actually reach out to people in your area. Caucus Room is made by conservatives for conservatives to get organized and make a difference. Join the Buck Sexton listeners group on caucusroom.com. That's C-A-U-C-U-S-R-O-O-M.com to interact with other listeners just like you. Caucusroom.com. Let's talk about if you have received the J&J vaccine. A lot of folks are probably wondering, what should I do? What should I look out for? What's your advice to them? Well, the advice, the first bit of advice is really don't worry very much because just as we said, it's a very, very rare event. That's the first thing. The second thing, the bracket of time when this occurs was between six and 13 days. So it's between one and two weeks. So if you got your vaccine several weeks ago, then it makes it even less likely that you should have any concern at all. If you've had it within a few days, just stay heads up for symptoms, severe headache, abdominal pain, chest pain, things like that. But again, underscoring Savannah, it is a very, very rare event. So you don't want people who've just received the vaccine to be overly worried about this. This is a rare occurrence. The pause is just as an abundance of caution to really scope out the situation a little bit more closely. The pause is an abundance of caution. You know, you got to mitigate because there could be a diminution of the parabolic upswing of the hypotheses of the isosceles triangle. And, you know, I really do feel like sometimes this guy is just broken into a few high school textbooks and wants to just throw out a bunch of a bunch of sciencey sounding jargon, math and science jargon at us. You know, when, when you have Savannah, you get the shot. And when the photosynthesis kicks in and you have deoxyribonucleic acid that is a part of the overall, you know, Darwinian notion of it just just blabber. Right. That the, but people go, oh, Dr. Fauci, he's so smart. Dr. Fauci, he's so smart. He's such a smart man. W- what are we doing? So now it's don't worry. It, yesterday was pause the vaccine. Now it's don't worry. And, and I, I just want to say when I tell you guys, because I'm thinking about this all the time and I know I get I get a lot of feedback from you all. And I, I want the feedback. I want you to tell me what you think about. What we're doing here, you you are this show. This show is for you, and I want to know what you're thinking. So send us a, a, an email at teambuck at iheartmedia.com or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Just type in Buck Sexton. I'm what comes up. Send a message. I see it. Producer Mark sees it, too, but I see it. And because on the vaccines, I want to be very clear. I'm not trying to you know, push anyone or bully anyone into anything. People say, Buck, why would you get the vaccine? You've already had covid and i say i know isn't it so stupid the only reason that i would get that i'm scheduled to get a vaccine in about 60 days so in a, in a while because i do have, i've got antibodies in my system i've already had the virus and in a short period of time i'm going to introduce that same immune response through 
this, you know, genetic coding response or whatever. I mean, very just, you know, very few people really understand how these vaccines actually work. This is not your standard. This isn't putting just dead virus into your system. This is something else. Uh, But but the reason that I've said I would do it and I'm not trying to push anybody else here, I'm just saying because I in New York, where I currently live and my family is and where I work, they have already started to experiment with vaccine passports. And, you know, so I'm willing to take the risk uh, more so so I can live a normal I, I can live a normal life. But I, I, I agree with some of you say, well, isn't that a little bit? I mean, I'm so anti mask, as you know, outdoor masking, moronic, zero reason to do that. Indoor masking and in limited circumstances at some times, you know, maybe, but. In general, uh, I mean, I think mask mandates don't work. I think mask mandates are a disaster. And I think that masking is the initial knee bending that leads to all this other madness in our society. I actually shared this was actually this is great. I shared on uh, on Twitter today. If you haven't, you probably also all should be following me on Twitter, please, uh, if you're not already. And it's this. It was almost exactly a year ago. It was like a year and a week ago. There was a piece in the Washington Post, I'm just waiting for this to I'm just waiting for this to be uh, taken down or for social media companies to come after me. This is the it's right below the democracy dies in darkness, you know, header in the Washington Post. Everyone wore flu masks during the 1918. I'm sorry. Everyone wore masks during the 1918 flu pandemic. They were useless. That was in the Washington Post a year ago. Everyone wore masks during the 1918 flu pandemic. They were useless. That was the headline. Not that they didn't work that well. Useless. And you know what that line is? That line is taken from the considered the seminal work, work of history on the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. The author just writes, look, they did this everywhere. Didn't do a damn thing. But people were obsessed and there was mask fashion and there was, you know, mask, all kinds of stuff. Right. Oh, you know, how do you where does your uh, where should you shave your mustache? A lot of mustaches back then. Where should you save shave your mustache so that it doesn't affect your mask and all this stuff? And they were useless was the quote. Now, if I say that today, I get kicked off social media and treated like a troglodyte. But this was in the Washington Post, friends, a year ago. And what's amazing is the sheeple out there, they they see stuff like this. And when I point this out to them or I, of course, show them the Fauci lines from a year ago, you know, you know, it may it may actually make you feel a little better. But, you know, when you're out in the crowd, uh, you know, it doesn't really do anything to wear a mask. They say, well, Buck, the science has changed. Oh, yeah. How? And then they point to some uh, some not a not real world study. They point to essentially spraying water through a mask and saying, well, there's less vapor. So since there's less vapor, there's there's you know, it's effective at stopping the virus. And, and then you show them all these CDC studies. There was a big one. I think it was up in Canada because they say, well, doctors wear them. And you say, OK, well, the CDC study from up in Canada about masks during flu season for dentists specifically for for dental personnel showed the dentists who wear masks during procedures versus those who don't no change in the transmission for for those healthcare personnel during the flu season and it was a pretty big and that's a real world study and there's tons of this out there if you want to see it the danish mask study oh well that you know sure it didn't stop people from getting it but you could not give it to another person if you have it on and they have it there's always there's always an excuse, right? There's always an excuse. The CDC numbers on mask mandates within the margin of error. That's how well the mandate works. But you can't bring this up. Yeah, I'm not I'm not letting this go because, friends, they're, they're trying to change the wiring in our brains with all this stuff. They are making you a compliant little stooge. And I hate it. I resent it. Every, and they do it to me, too, because you'll say, well, Buck, do you wear a mask in New York? I have they will evict me from my home if I don't. I will be kicked out of the grocery store. I will I will get, you know, even more dad bod going on here without even being a dad because I can't go to the gym. All these things will happen. I have no I have no choice. And if they call the police, the police 
will enforce against me, they will arrest me. Right. So I, I am I am not conceding to their argument. I'm conceding to their superior force. I tried. I went maskless for months and months and months. Then I was told, yo, man, everyone's complaining about you. This is getting out of control. Oh, and by the way, since I got the virus two months ago, when I was walking around with no mask on, was I ever infected? No. Did I ever put anyone at risk? We know for a fact, scientifically, no, I did not. Never. There was no risk. Zero risk. But you're not allowed. See, once again, you're not allowed to observe. There's a war on observation right now that the Democrats and the left are waging. You don't know what you're seeing. You don't know what's really happening. You're not allowed to even say, hold on a second. They're pausing a vaccine. If you had called for a vaccine pause on your Facebook page two weeks ago, if you had said, guys, I just I've read some data on Johnson and Johnson and, you know, something's going on here. We got to really look into this. Boom. Facebook would lock you out. They'd shut you down. They would take your account away. Think of the effect that that has on our conversation about this. This is the new public square. They are the phone company, you know, circa 1950. This is how people communicate and they control it. The biggest enemies of free speech and free expression in the country right now are the most powerful platforms of communication in the world. This is the great irony we're dealing with. But the the point I'm making about the vaccines is... Does that change the thinking at all for the people that believe that they have all this figured out? Does that does that change the hubris and the arrogant mentality of those who say, oh, I just listened to the science. I just listened to Fauci. How many times did those guys get to be wrong before a normal person would say, hmm, maybe something's up here. Now, I, I saw, for example, uh, the Tucker monologue. Last, Tucker did a monologue last night on this, and he kept saying, why do they want us to wear masks after we're vaccinated he posed this question and he didn't get to i know what their their answer is even after vaccination there's a tiny percentage of people who could still get infected five percent by the pfizer numbers whatever it is and so if it saves just one life this is the this is the wellspring of all the tyranny if it could theoretically save just one life you have to deal with this for our health policy Fauciism, the Fauciite consensus is the speed limit must now be 10 miles an hour. That is what has happened in this country where the speed limit now must be 10 miles an hour. And if you don't like it, you can't drive. You can't leave your home, actually, and we'll arrest you if you do anything else. It's not the country I want to live in. It's not a country I'm going to accept either. And the, the, the grubby little fingers of the statist authoritarian Democrats here uh, they're not taking they're not taking their hands off the wheels of power. They're not going to do it. They want to control you. They want to keep this going as long as possible. They like you compliant. They like you scared. Stay home. Wear a mask. Don't see people. Do what we tell you. Get whatever shots we tell you. Mm. Do you think that that upsets the nanny state leftists? Or is this a dream come true in terms of the power they have? It could be that possibly someone who's had COVID like myself, could they be reinfected? There are very small numbers of it. But guess what? Almost none of them are really getting sick. You're not you're not reading stories of, oh, my goodness, thousands of people being reinfected. And they're in the hospital and they're dying. Those stories don't exist. You'll read about a random, very rare person getting reinfected or getting infected when they've been vaccinated. But the good news is, is that even if you got infected from COVID after you've been vaccinated, you have some immunity. You have partial immunity and it lessens the uh, degree or uh, significance of the disease. So these, I, almost everything out there is good news. This is why I so much think Dr. Fauci should be voluntarily removed from TV because what he says is such a disservice and such fear mongering and almost all of what he says isn't even matched by the science of his own institute. So really what we need to do is hear from a lot of different experts and then people need to realize that the risk factors are different depending on your age. You mentioned the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. 
very, very safe. And if you're over 80, without question, it's the only one you can get, take it. If you're over 70, take it. But it does depend on your age. If you're under 25, the chance yeah. of dying from this is one in a million. So it, your risk factors do depend on whether you judge, whether you take a vaccine. It's not the same for everybody. Everything Senator Rand Paul is saying there is provably, demonstrably true. But do you ever do you ever hear this? I mean, they've there have been teachers unions that as part of their demands and the teachers unions have just shown what a disgraceful, disgusting mess they are in the past year. Just just thuggish Democrat political machinery. It's all the teachers unions are good for. Uh, but the, the 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 truth here with everything that's going on, the truth of, of the situation is uh, that we can't have real conversations about risk. We can't actually have real discussions about who's at risk and who's not. They wanted children. Teachers Union wanted children to get vaccinated. Why? Kids? The kids are fine. But what they do is they say, that's not true. Kids can still get it. And they'll point and they'll say, look, you know, 100 children have died, believed to have died from COVID in the United States. Okay, I mean, that's... A hundred children out of a country of 330 million people. There are viruses that, you know, that are that are floating around in the air all the time that kids can still get. They could die. We, we have to accept that there's not a zero mortality future from COVID. That's not realistic. That's not going to happen. Just like there's not a zero mortality from flu future for the world. So, you know, the, the, the people that have pushed for all this stuff, the the lockdowners, you got to understand what their next moves are going to be. We keep seeing these reports. Oh, the vaccines uh, are effective for six months. Okay, what happens then? We're gonna are we supposed to go through this every year? Oh, and you know you you, you can't actually see people and do things. You got to get the second. And then what? What about when the booster you know doesn't work on the new variant or something? I mean, you're just gonna we're all gonna go insane. I mean, we're all just gonna completely lose our minds over this stuff over time. And I think a lot of people have. I believe that mass media has combined to create uh, com- combined with mass hysteria to create the environment we're currently living in. Um, y- you've never had so many hysterics able to reach out and talk to so many other hysterics at, at one point in human history. Speaking of hysterics, here's CNN with their I guess he's still unpaid as a contributor, but Dr. Fauci, who really, you know, he's. I know he's at the uh, National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, but he really should just be Chiron as favorite CNN and MSNBC guest because uh, they're all so emotionally and professionally invested in this guy not being a little tyrannical moron, which I think he is. Uh, but here's CNN talking about what Tucker said on his monologue, which I brought up before. Play six. TV personality Tucker Carlson said on TV about vaccines in general. He said if the vaccine, if vaccines are effective, There's no reason for people who have received the vaccine to wear masks or avoid physical contact. So maybe it doesn't work. And they're simply not telling you that. Let me repeat that again. So maybe it doesn't work. And they're simply not telling you that. What do you have to say to Tucker Carlson? Yeah, Uh, that's just a typical crazy conspiracy theory. Why would we not tell people if it doesn't work? Look at the data. The data are overwhelming in the three vaccines that have been approved for use in an emergency use authorization, the J&J, the Pfizer, and the Moderna, you had 30,000, 44,000, and 40,000 people in a clinical trial with an overwhelming signal of efficacy. So I don't have any idea what he's talking about. How dangerous is it for a TV personality like that who does have an audience of millions to, to speculate about something like that? Well, it's certainly not helpful to the public health of this nation or even globally. You know, I don't want to get into arguments about Tucker Carlson, but to me, it's just, you know, it's counter to what we were trying to accomplish to protect the safety and the health of the American public. Why can't that little fascist tell us when we can stop wearing masks? When? Give us a date or give us the numbers. Give us the metrics. Why? Can't give up the control. Better to attack Tucker Carlson for asking. That was a question that he brought up in the context of a 15 minute monologue where it's clear he's not anti-vaccines and he's not saying they don't work. He's just trying to work through a problem that we're not allowed to really talk about because the lockdowners are authoritarians. And I'm actually in the process of trying to find an employee or two to, to join some of my Freedom Hut activities. And it's, it's a tough out there right now because 
you got people that don't necessarily know if they're going to be able to stay remote in their job. I mean, they like it, maybe they don't. There's all this change that's currently going on. And I think we're just beginning to see how much uh, our work-life balance has has really shifted as a result of, of these pandemic policies. But it's it's getting more complicated all the time. And that just reminds me that when you're running a business, HR issues can kill you, right? You've got those wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations, and HR manager salaries are not cheap, as you know, an average of $70,000 a year. Bambi, which is spelled B-A-M-B-E-E, was created specifically for small business. You can get a dedicated HR manager, craft HR policy, and maintain your compliance all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. From onboarding determinations, they customize your policies to fit your business, and they help you manage your employees day-to-day. Just $99 a month, they do all this for you. And there's no hidden fees. You can cancel the service anytime. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend time on HR compliance. Let Bambi help. Get your free HR audit today. Go to Bambi.com slash buck right now to schedule your free HR audit. That's Bambi.com slash buck. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash buck. President Joe Biden has announced that he plans to pull U.S. troops out of Afghanistan by September 11th of this year, clearly noting the uh, the symbolism here of that of that day and an end to a war that has raged for 20 years. We have been deployed in Afghanistan. We've had U.S. military in Afghanistan for 20 years. And I remember I was in Afghanistan a decade ago. The situation then was largely the same as the situation now, except there were far more troops in, in the country at that time. But the same things you'd hear uh, about how the Taliban is on the offensive and the central government is corrupt and weak and ineffective and their forces toe to toe without U.S. support won't be able to go uh, won't be able to go up in battle against the Taliban without losing. And. I just remember thinking that everyone that I knew who was handling that issue at the at the highest levels, honestly, of the intelligence community in the U.S. government was uh, very negative on the long term. Pro- that was in 2010. Very negative on the prospects of Afghanistan's future and felt like we could stay and just keep holding it together or eventually realize that enough is enough. Well, the same voices, the very hawkish Republican voices that you always hear on this point are out there telling you, oh, we we shouldn't do it. Here he here he is. The guy I've never seen. Lindsey Graham is never seen a troop deployment or a war that he didn't like, as far as I can tell. I, I don't know what it is with this guy. Always, always looking to, to you know, bomb another country and show what is wrong. So he gets uh, applause from the think tank set on K Street in D.C. Here he is. Play 11. Joe Biden's become an incredibly destabilizing American president. Uh, He took a border that was uh, pretty calm and turned it into chaos. Uh, The Mideast had been transformed on Trump's watch where the Arabs were working with the Israelis and had Iran in a box. He's taken Iran and let them out of the box. They're talking about enriching uranium at 60 percent now, which is a direct threat to the existence of the state of Israel. Uh, The Russians are challenging him in the Ukraine. And now he is withdrawing forces in Afghanistan against sound military advice. To all of you who are listening, you remember where you're at on September 11th, 2001. Our military told President Biden that if you withdraw all of our forces, al-Qaeda and ISIS will come roaring back. Um, Afghanistan would disintegrate into civil war, and we can avoid all of that by having three to 5,000 American forces making sure that ISIS and al-Qaeda never come back to hurt us. He rejected that advice. Afghanistan is going to deteriorate pretty rapidly. Al-Qaeda and ISIS are going to come back. He's paving the way for another 9-11. Now, I, I want to be very clear that I don't care that Joe Biden is a Democrat. And I don't care that this may not be the most popular thing to say on conservative talk radio right now. I think the war in Afghanistan needs to end. I wanted Trump to end it. I wanted Trump to end our military presence. He did not. I want Biden to end our military presence. 
I'm not going to do this thing. I'm not going to play this game of saying I want other men and women downrange fighting, you know, in Afghanistan when it politically suits me. No. You know how I felt during the, the Trump years. I wanted I wanted the president to end our military involvement in Afghanistan. I am going to stand on that same viewpoint now. All right. The, uh, otherwise, what am I just, you know, and look, I know there's so many conservatives out there is in the media that's just all about I mean, just raising donor money and like, you know, MAGA hats when it's popular. And then, you know, oh, they're all of a sudden. You know, they're Hayekian free market pioneers when they think that's popular. And then back to the MAGA hat. They say whatever they got to say. You all know that I want the war in Afghanistan uh, or involvement, I should say, to end there. So I'm not going to pretend that that's not what I wanted. If I wanted it under Trump last year, I want it under Biden now. So I'm not going to do this thing and hit him for. Yeah. Is the border a mess because of Biden? 100 percent. Everything else that I've said about that stuff is that that all stays. But I do think the war in Afghanistan are our part in the war in Afghanistan needs to end. And I understand that that is there's a very real possibility the Taliban will end up taking over substantial control there. And I will tell you right now that I will if there is a terrorist attack planned from Afghan soil that involves the Afghan regime, the Taliban, whatever part it may be, uh, I, I will advocate for a a not a U.S. military, you know, pinprick invasion uh, but scorched earth and whatever we got to do, however we got to do it. Not not letting them take another generation of Americans, you know, 20 years worth of people who are serving the in the military and wound them and kill them. And we're trying to <clears throat> create democracy. No, no, no. If they if they if they poke the dragon again, we go back breathing whatever fire we have to. That should be our attitude. It's the way it used to be. So that's the old approach in America. When we when someone decides that they're going to attack us, we go back, we hit them with everything we've got until they can't hit us anymore. And that's that. So that really should be the attitude, I think. Uh, It's not that we're going to go rebuild other people's countries for them. And that has been the case for for a while now. Now, I understand people say it's a relatively small military presence. Yeah, but maybe in three years, it won't be relatively small. Maybe the Taliban becomes ascendant and our 3000 troops. There's not enough. And now now we're going to get deeper and deeper into it. You know, there is the the quagmire theory of how these things work. It's it's not it's not a lie. This can happen. Marco Rubio, another we've got all these Republican foreign policy hawks, you know, making sure that the Raytheon stock stays where it is uh, and keeps going up. Here's Marco Rubio. Play 12. Well, that was a decision that began under President Trump. And um, so they've just what they've announced is that they're going to stick with President Trump's decision uh, with regards to Afghanistan. Look, the outcome is going to be a terrible thing. The Taliban, I believe, will eventually take over the country as they were in charge before. And it's not going to be a good outcome. The flip side of it is that I'm not sure what the pathway to a better future in the near term was. And, um, you know, given all the other needs we're facing around the world, you know, once President Trump made that decision. I think the die was cast in that regard. Do you think the U.S. has made enough progress on training the Afghan security forces? I mean, I hope so. I don't have a tremendous amount of... uh, I hope I'm wrong because of the implications, but I don't have a lot of faith that the current government in Afghanistan will be able to survive or hold on for long. Uh, The the Taliban... uh, my my personal opinion, everything I know is, that I think the Taliban will have an Afghan Afghanistan controlled by the Taliban um, again, and that not a good outcome, but it's the direction that we're headed. And the previous administration agreed to that. The current administration stuck with it, and that's where we're going. I think that's where we should go. And I'll have to revisit this, you know, maybe in a, a year, maybe in eighteen months, because I think what Marco Rubio says here, he he understands the basic facts and storyline of this. The guy's in the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I mean, he he's he's pretty uh, he's pretty knowledgeable about this stuff. Uh, yeah, the Taliban will be ascendant, and there is a chance the Taliban will take over much, not all, but much of the country, and perhaps they will then forge some kind of a power sharing agreement. But it's not my problem. You know, we we've we've gone through this, right? We remember Iraq. We tried to build a better country, and then they want you know now they want us out and. And uh, then we had ISIS and all this stuff. And we're all told, oh, we're imperialists in America. No, we, we've done this. We tried to go in and get rid of the bad dictators and uh, get rid of the jihadists and build nice societies. Nope. 
enough. I'm not I don't want anyone being sent on our behalf as the American people to go do this anymore. You know, what we really need to be concerned about is if things get really hot with China in the next five to 10 years, are we ready for that? All right. Afghanistan is done. Well, we, we've been through this. We've done everything that we can do. We'll, we'll still give them aid. And, you know, the thing is, you got to remember, there's also going to be support, back channel support and stuff that, you know, you can't talk about uh, publicly. That's going to be going on where the U.S. government's going to be helping the Afghan government. That's obviously going to happen. But it's just no longer going to be our military presence holding this whole place together. And people say, well, what about South Korea and what about Germany? Uh, The Taliban isn't about to take over Germany. I mean, there's not an imminent threat of war in these countries. So those are strategic military bases with host partner nations that actually want us, for the most part, in country. And our troops are not at, at any risk in Germany or in or in South Korea or in or in uh, Japan. So that's a very different circumstance, isn't it? If the Nazis were still running around Germany controlling, you know, the whole states, you know, the Nazis were running Bavaria uh, as the Taliban is running parts of Afghanistan, then you'd have a more similar circumstance. But it's time to go. And, uh, you know, like I said, I know a lot of people change their stuff. I know there, you know, there are people who as radio hosts were calling Trump an idiot and he's awful. And then there were the big Trump cheerleaders, even they were pretending they weren't. Uh, I thought we should have ended Afghanistan under Trump. And this is the timeline that the Trump administration then sent out. Biden's going to stay with it. I believe this is the right move. And I think it will get ugly. I think there will be cost to this, but it's not. I I couldn't sit here and say, if, if you made me secretary of defense, I could not sit here and say to you, the American people, including all the people listening to this who are active and former military. We've got people in the spe- uh, special operations community who listen to the show. We have SEALs. We have SF. We have Marines who listen to this show. I could not say to them, yeah, I want you to I want you to stay in Afghanistan. I think this mission is worth it. And I certainly couldn't say to any of their parents, I want to put your your uh, children in harm's way for this mission set. And so if that's how I feel, would I send my own son if I had one? Uh, to secure Helmand province at this point, if I were the secretary of defense, no, I would not. So come what may, that's how I feel about this. And I'm not I'm not going to trash this policy because the Biden administration is following through on it. Our troops, our national security is more important than those kinds of games.